This morning, we're going to continue our series uh, in Matthew called Great Awakening Matthew Style. And we're re- we are realizing that Matthew, the tax collector, the IRS worker, had a pretty incredible personal revival happen when Jesus just said the two words to him, follow me. There was all the authority of heaven and all the future destiny for Matthew behind those words of Jesus. And there was such a call of God on him that he just got up and left everything. Followed Jesus. And we are recognizing that early church history tells us that Matthew stayed around Jerusalem for, for at least 30 years. Uh, 30 to 40 years after the resurrection of Jesus. And he ministered in revival and in awakening. He saw reproduce what happened to him. Saw it happen in others, countless thousands in the vicinity of Jerusalem and Judea for, for upwards of 40 years. He faced the same challenges that Jesus did. And he especially focused the words of Jesus when Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And Matthew organized the teaching of Jesus into uh, five major teaching sections that scholars tell us were used to, to equip the church and especially new converts that were continually brought into, into the church. And we're uh, focusing our, um, our teaching on Matthew, of the Great Awakening of Matthew, and on, uh, largely on those teaching sections. We talked about the importance of the inner life from the first teaching section on the Beatitudes, Sermon on the, on the Mount. The importance of living from the inside out, of having that transformation on the inside, actually loving God, truly loving God and loving other people with authenticity. And then we talked about the evangelism call, the call for it to be a personal call for every single one of us in the training and equipping of disciples. And the call is not to be uh, just born again and then be part of the multitudes. The call is not to be born again and be part of the multitudes that sit in mega churches or small churches throughout the world. The call of God is to be disciples, make disciples of all nations. And this is what Matthew is wanting to do. And he wants to, everything that happened to the disciples in, Jesus, in the Jesus' life when they were with Jesus to happen to every single one of us down through the ages. The third teaching section is the parables. And Jeremiah did such a great job on highlighting two of the seven parables in Matthew chapter 13. Then we move on to on what it means to be a disciple for a couple times. And then the second coming of Christ is the fifth section we'll be dealing with. Plus some other material from Matthew. But this is really a, a, a book about awakening. A, a full-blown happy, powerful time in God. And this morning's talk is entitled Matthew's, Matthew's uh, Great Awakening, Abundance. Matthew, Great Awakening, Great Awakening Matthew style, Abundance in the Kingdom of Heaven. We have that up there, Great Awakening Matthew style. Here's Kingdom Abundance. And we, saw, we see in John's Gospel, one of my favorite verses is John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 10 where the word says, uh, Jesus says that Satan's come to kill, uh, um, steal, and destroy, but the Son of Man has come that that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Well, Matthew really does pick up that theme, and and his his desire is that every one of the disciples of Jesus that 
move from being part of the multitudes into going after true discipleship at every single level. And by the, word, some, by the way, sometimes the word dis, the disciple is, is so linked to the word discipline that we sort of pull away from it because everybody knows that we should be disciplined, but who wants to do it, you know? Whereas the word disciple literally means that the Greek word um, for disciple is methetes, uh, and it means to be a learner in the presence of the teacher. Get that? Call of God is for us to be learners, to grow in our own relationship with Jesus, but in his presence. It's not about backing off from the presence of God and just trying to know more information about the Bible. But when we actually hunger and thirst after the presence of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father, when we respond to his wooing, when we respond to his anointing, when we respond to his call in obedience in our lives, then we find ourselves seeing the word open up even more than ever for us in our own journeys. We're going to read to start Matthew 13, verse 1 through 12. It's rather a lengthy um, um, selection, but listen to it, and there's some really important kingdom kingdom um, abundance here that um, God wants to impart to us this morning. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. So you have a mega church standing while the preacher sits. That's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? Talk about shaking things up. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some seed fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, this is a key phrase, because if you're part of the multitudes, you just go home after the sermon when Jesus talks. But if you're a disciple, you come press into Jesus and say, Lord, more. That's a mark of a disciple. You want more. I want more. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you, those that press in, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. It's said elsewhere that you cannot even see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born, born of God, born again, born of God. But Jesus is saying to Sorry, Jesus is saying to these guys, because you're pressing in, because you are embracing an identity as a disciple, not just part of the multitudes, because you want the more of God, more of the Spirit, more of the things of God in your life. You want, you're hungering and thirsting for my presence. Because that's true, he says, because it has been given to you to, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And... But to them it has not been given. The multitudes don't get what you get. 
For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have in what? He will have abundance. What does abundance mean? I think it means everything related to the good things of God. Just more and more of God. And this has to do entirely with responding to the restless work in the spirit of our life to, to press into and, and to lean into, to set our affections on the unseen world, set our affections on the things above, to live from the presence of Jesus, seated together with him in heavenly places, to recognize that the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy, where? In the Holy Ghost, in the Holy Spirit. That's what this morning was about, experiencing the Holy Spirit and recognizing the Holy Spirit is within all of us. And when we experience the Holy Spirit and go for more and more of the Holy Spirit, we find riches and depths of the mysteries of the kingdom unfold to us, not just in terms of revelation of God's word, God's truth, but in terms of greater dimensions of, of supernatural ministry, receiving and giving the, the, the gifts of the Spirit, receiving the gifts of the Spirit and giving the gifts of the Spirit to others, real depth of experiencing the glory of the, in the presence of God that's on display in the presence of the Holy Spirit. So I want to concentrate on this last verse. Because it has been given to you, that is, you disciples that are coming to me asking for more, to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, you are going to have abundance. And as a group of disciples, they came to Jesus to ask for more. And asking for more isn't just an individual thing, is it? Don't you, don't you get more of the more of God when your friends are going after the more with you? If you're married, if your spouse is going after the more with you, if you find that your kids are hungering for the things of God, some of the young people up here going through, I notice the Spirit of God just resting on them with great powers, very beautiful. It's, good to, it's, a, it's a parent's greatest dream to see the, a, a, their child hungering and thirsting, experiencing God, even as, even as dear children. So I want to go over in a rather a cursory way, in a rather a quick way, five of the seven parables in Matthew chapter 13. Jeremiah did so well with two of them, so I'm going to cover in a, in a, in a rather brief way, but I think I've got some, from my own pressing into God over the years, I've got some revelation from these parables that I want to share with you. They're treasures to me. And the thing about parables is that if you've ever heard sermons on the parables, you know that there's as many different uh, applications of parables as you, can, as you can possibly even imagine. There's just uh, so many different layers of blessing that come from, from the parables. But I want to give you some of the thoughts that I have, the revelation I have, because I think they'll be a blessing to you, but also just to know that you can be stirred up by your own just reading of the, of the parables and, and receive the blessing that way. So first of all, I just want to mention a few things. The more and more abundance that's expressed in, in the fact that there's a guarantee of good soil. This is a repeated refrain, so it's not, this isn't a new insight for most of us here at Newsom because it's, it's a verse that is one of the driving forces for me with evangelism is the absolute guarantee that Jesus has guaranteed us as evangelists and as people that are serious about expanding and expressing the kingdom of God in all kinds of ways, we are guaranteed out there 
that there will be good soil. There it is. Jesus Christ is the most accurate prophet in the history of the world. And he's the one that said, if we bumble along in our efforts and do our best to be a disciple ministering to our world, there's an absolute guarantee of two things. Failure in the midst of success. Or success in the midst of failure, depending on whether you see the glasses half full or half empty. I want to suggest to you that, that quite often it's the concern or the reality of the stony ground, the birds eating the seed, and the choking out of the word that keeps us from trying. But let's not forget, friends, that we, because we have a guarantee, you have a guarantee of success in your family. That there's going to be, maybe not all of them at the same time, but there's going to be response to the gospel and to your ministry and your blessing of your, of your extended family. It's just an absolute certainty it's going to happen. I remember trying to witness to Brenda's Aunt Lucille one time who was an alcoholic at a family reunion and she wasn't really receiving the, the message very well. I think she was a little bit inebriated at the time. But um, it was years ago. But her son, Verl, came in and just quietly was listening to me talk to her. And the next day, Verl called me up and he said on the, over the phone, this morning, I, I, because of what I, you were saying to Aunt Lucille, to my mom, your Aunt Lucille, I uh, was reading the Bible last night for the first time in years, and I put it down by my bed afterwards, and this morning when I woke up, the sun was shining on a verse, and when I, I read the verse, it was, I don't even know what the verse was, but it was a verse about the love of God and repentance and a turning to Christ. He said, at that very moment, I was born again. He said, I just want you to know that. And he was a restaurant uh, owner, and he changed the name of his restaurant to Verl's Vision in Aberdeen, Washington. And uh, he's been serving God for years, all these years. I'm just saying that we are guaranteed success with some. I don't know if Aunt Lucille ever came to Christ, but I know Verl did. <laughs> and I know that everything you do for God, that to just take heart because we are guaranteed success. Two, the more and more abundance for us in the kingdom that's expressed in multiplied kingdom fruitfulness. That is... Not only do, are we guaranteed good soil, but when people come to Christ, many of them will do way better than us in terms of multiplying the fruitfulness of the kingdom. Very successful. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times better than us. So just keep sowing because you've got, you've got such a productive promise of not only people coming to, coming to Christ and having impact that way, but your influence changing people's lives in terms of multiplying the message and message and blessing of the kingdom into their worlds. I uh, saw on Facebook a, a note from Lisa Ryder is her name. She and her family were in our church in Astoria. This was last week. And she put out a witness, basically an invitation about how to, an importance of knowing if you're going to go to heaven or not. And and how you can know you're going to go to heaven. And then at the end she says, message me if you question your future and want certainty. I like that, that passion of wanting to reach out even on Facebook. And I commented to that end. And then she wrote me back that something that was a blessing to me because I'd completely forgotten about it. She said, hey, Pastor Dan, I was 18 years old when you came by Jim in my apartment and point blank asked me if I knew I was going, if I was going to heaven or not. 
And she responded, and they both responded, came to Christ, got saved. I, didn't, I realized they were that young. They were married really young. And they were in our church there. And she's been serving God all these years. And she's had a very, very fruitful life. It's been over, like almost 40 years ago. And I'm just, I think of that verse, that there's a, not only a guarantee of success with some, but not only that, but, we're, but you get the joy of seeing over lots of years the fruitfulness of, of people that you've helped be a blessing to in the things of the kingdom and your sowing um, work for King Jesus. One of the, one of the maxims that I repeated often to my four children as they were growing up was be a producer, not just a consumer. And I got a kick out of uh, Sonia. David was one of your producers at the play and you got him a t-shirt that said producer. That had a double meaning for me because I remembered back. I don't know if he thought about that, but, but I did. And I'm not saying that we're not consumers too. We consume the blessings of, of Jesus. But that's what the multitudes did. They just had a consuming mentality. And, and too often, the church um, in the USA tends to be a bit of a consuming identity and a connoisseur of fine preaching and comparing preachers instead of realizing that, that no matter who's preaching, even in our context, that the point isn't, how well something is expressed or eloquent or passionate or anointed a message is. But rather, are you able to hear the voice of God, which, which has infinite expressions of vitality and life for you for abundance? We are called as preachers to preach the oracles of God. And we are called as listeners to hear the oracles of God. To be prepared to hear and to listen and to note it and to care about the voice of God on every single talk that's ever given from this pulpit or, or, or whether a pulpit's used or not. Three, the more and more abundance is expressed in the more of what you already have factor. You know the promise? Don't, don't ever say, don't, please don't ever say that you tried something in God and it and because it didn't work that well, that you weren't going to ever try it again. Because God's plan in the things of the kingdom is for whatever you get in small ways, for that as you water it to grow and expand to become more profound, more, more of a blessing. God, God looks at us as his dear kids. And when, with your kids or grandkids, don't you notice that there's a, a growing grace on them for the skills of life? even talking or singing. And don't you delight in what's the progress they've made in the moment, but yet you anticipate and expect and, and delight in the knowledge that it's going to improve? Don't you think God feels that way about us with the spiritual gifts and the things of God? So any revelation that you get, any blessing that you get from God, please know that God's intention for that is to is to to grow and expand. He that has, she that has will be given even more. I have an illustration of this with my two-year-old granddaughter, Evangeline, who is learning to be a singer. I want you to note she has a real skill now, but there's, but there's going to be some improvement down the road. If she sings like this when she's 30 or 40, I'll have some concern. But 
She does really great for age two. Let's enjoy it for 40 seconds. Pitch pretty good, huh? But so we look at that and we say, hooray for what she has now, but thank God there's going to be some improvement too over the years into the future. Anyway, you always have to figure out a way to work your grandkids into a sermon, don't we? Four, the trusting God with the terrors revelation. Matthew 13, verse 24. The trusting God with the tares, revelation. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, and the tares, the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? And it goes on to say, no. The owner says, no, let them grow together because if you pull up the tares, the weeds now, you're going to end up pulling wheat up. At the end of, at the, later on at the end, we'll separate them. And that's what Jesus, uh, as he talked what this parable meant, he says at the end of time, the, dis, the angels will, will collect everything, uh, every person, and the the tares, actually, Jesus says, are bad people, bad people, and anything that offends. So he says specifically two applications. And he says, the, at the end of time, the bad people, those who, who, don't, who don't trust in Christ for, as Savior and Lord, it's a moral decision. They're tares. Plus, they're, they're thrown in the lake of fire. Outer darkness, there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Plus, he says something interesting, every single thing that offends. What's the application? As we relate to people in the world, I think it's really important that we don't try to change them until they come to Christ. Then there's teaching and, and even then there's a... a growth curve for them but we don't want to we don't want to we want to relate to people in a way where we want to say to them we love and accept and forgive you in your essence as a person we even do that for pre-believers for unbelievers but that doesn't mean we have to approve of your behavior and your values but we don't come we don't come around in a judgmental sort of, of a way and try to force unbelievers to have christian ethics it's tough enough for you and me to have Christian ethics, to try to force it on, on pre-believers. But even in the church life, one of the most important things we can do is to recognize that in the family of God, there will be a time when everything that I do that annoys you will be cast into the lake of fire.
and everything that you ever have done that annoys me. <laughs> There's going to be perfect relationship. Husbands, wives, perfect relationship in glory. And the invitation from Jesus is, don't pull up the weeds now. Relate to people with love, acceptance, and forgiveness. And when we have that environment in church life, Jesus is more free himself to speak to people in his timing about whatever he wants to speak to them about without us getting away with our judgmental attitudes towards each other. And I realize that there's a time when someone is in a self-destruct mode that we need to intervene. But that should be privately and it should be filled with compassion and kindness to help them not to self-destruct or to hurt someone that's dear to them, that loves them. I love this uh, little no self-destruct photo. Yeah, if you could go ahead and not use self-destruct, that'd be great. Some of you have seen that movie. Five. The more and more abundance is expressed in the sovereignty of God motif in two of the parables. Sovereignty of God means the by-himselfness of God. Matthew 13, verse 31. Another parable Jesus put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds. But when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Another parable he spoke to them, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. So you have the mustard seed that grows into a tree and there's an allusion to the Gentiles becoming saved and prophetically speaking, all the, it says the birds of the air, birds of the air in the Bible are often, often uh, uh, referred to the Gentile nations. And so this is likely what the what that's referring to, that there's going to be a, an increase. There's something inherently amazing about the spread of the kingdom of, of God in that there's a by-himselfness dimension to it. It is like, like a tree growing by itself, a mustard tree that, that grows from a tiny seed. And Jesus started with 12, and Matthew had probably thousands that he served, but, but the anticipation was it to spread globally like it already has down through the years and will even more. And it's this expectation of the kingdom of God having an inherent power like, like leaven going through a lump of, of, of bread dough that it has influence in and of itself. And it is our job to, to not push it, to not make, try to make something happen, but to go with the flow of what the Spirit's saying, what the Spirit's doing, and recognizing that He is the force that's changing the world He's the force that's expanding the kingdom. We, we do embrace the notion that what we're about is a personal revival. And that revival, uh, our, that personal revival is the spread of the kingdom of God in ourselves and in our, in our own region and globally with the presence of God working in us and through us to see that happen. This... These two parables and the reality of the, of the sovereignty of God calls us to do our best to hitch our trailer to that pickup truck. To do what Jesus did in the anointing of the Spirit. 
What did he do? He healed people. He taught people. He loved people. He prophesied over them. Chris Milan this last week prophesied over this guy and God gave him the guy's first name without the guy telling him. It shook the guy up royally. It was beautiful. <laughs> Did he get saved? No. He, he, could, he was in a state of shock. But hopefully he still will. But it was a beautiful thing. I think all of heaven was kind of laughing about that at the time. I remember one time um, I was getting my hair cut and the gal was sort of started to arrogantly talk when she found out I was a pastor. They sometimes do, giving me a haircut. Uh, started talking about Wicca and how much she loved being a Wiccan. And I asked, asking the Holy Spirit what to say, and the Holy Spirit said, ask her how she's sleeping at night. And I said, how are you sleeping at night? And she said, I don't sleep good at night at all. I, I don't sleep good. And I, I did, afterwards, I thought to myself, why did I say that? But the, I had the unction of the Spirit to say to the gal that's cutting my hair. I said, God is going to give you seven nights of good sleep to show you that he's real and that what I'm saying to you is true. And then you have a choice then to turn to him or go back to no sleep or little sleep. And I have never had this happen before that I can think of where I got, I go to different places to get my hair cut. Probably that's why. But I did, I went back to that same place, you know, three weeks later, a month later. I got the same person to cut my hair. I asked her about it and she said, in fact, she volunteered it to me. She said, you're the one that said that. I did have seven nights of good sleep and then I lost sleep again. And that was a rather dramatic thing and shocking thing for her and for me. But, there could be that kind of ministry that can happen in the things of the Spirit. But there can, be, there can also be non-dramatic things that are also very, very practical and helpful. For instance, just sharing your life with people. Jesus shared his life with people. He gave them wisdom and direction. He showed them what they could be. Jesus patiently put up with people's failures, yet showed them a better way to live. I conclude with a story of last week, Brennan and I went to Santa Barbara to see Evangeline and her rest of her family. And we flew there. And at the Medford Airport, they had to put my bag through twice for some reason, contraband or something. And I was waiting and I was feeling a little bit anxious because I was holding, it seemed like I was holding people up and this, this young guy, teenager, saw my bag coming on the belt, and he went out of his way to grab it and said, Sir, is this yours? Can I give this to you? Just smiled, just generous of heart. Was not an employee of the airport, just a fellow, tra- fellow, fellow traveler, fellow flyer. And then I thanked him. And then as I was you know, putting my shoes on, put my belt back on and all, he says to me, out of his way, he, he looked at me and said, have a good flight, sir. And then he grabbed his stuff and left. And I thought to myself, I want to learn something from this. This is having a profound impact for me. It's something so simple, but so it made me feel so affirmed as a person, as valuable enough to just 
for someone to go out of their way. I don't know if it's motivated by Jesus or not, but I tell you what, it should have been or could have been, absolutely. I thought a lot about him since then. I want to be more like that myself in Jesus. Here's a final little uh, meme or a, or a photo that I think is helpful to you. I hope it is. Somewhere, some stranger remembers you because you were kind. That kid will never know what he did, what it did for me. There are people like that in your life. Don't forget it, okay? Be encouraged. Let's stand up. We'll have an altar team here to pray with people for healing, body, soul, spirit, emotions, any miracle you need, the team will be up here to minister to you. Just come on up and receive ministry. Put your hand on your heart for just now. Thank you for the abundance of the kingdom as disciples as we press into the kingdom, Jesus. We praise you for good soil for the seed of the gospel and the word. We praise you for the multiplied fruitfulness of the, in our own lives and of the people that we help in the things of God. Thank you that we're producers as disciples. I praise you that we get more of what we already have of the good things of the kingdom. There's more coming of, the, of everything that's good. We thank you that we can trust you with the tares, the weeds, people that are persecuting of us, as well as stuff, the human factor in all of our lives. There's going to be a time when it's all gone. We're just left with a real happy wheat zone. We praise you for the sovereignty of God, the by himselfness of God in terms of the kingdom. We praise you that the kingdom of God is going to flourish flourish into the future. Nothing can stop it. It's unstoppable because of your sovereign work, O oh God. We praise you that you've invited us to be a part of it. And we do so. We do so with enthusiasm and vigor because we know there's so, so much meaning in participating. We praise you for the more. We praise you for the abundance. In Jesus Christ's name, receive this blessing right now. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you today and every day forever. In Jesus Christ's name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.